Welcome to the Basing Conspiracy. I'm Ian Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Hey! And today we are going to talk about transhumanism. Ooh. It has a spooky connotation, but I challenge the spookiness. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say that all three of us would consider ourselves transhumanists. That's correct? I definitely would. Yes. Cool. So what do we consider ourselves? <laughs> Not using the word t- transhumanist. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'd be like a consistent humanist. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I just reread the simplified humanism post before this. Yeah. But I don't want to hijack this before because Shelly originally brought it up. So we want to. Oh, well, the simplified humanism post by Elliot Zeryukowski is a really good introduction to transhumanism. And the idea is just that if you want good things for people, you may even continue to want good things beyond what's considered normal or baseline. I, I believe his the two uh, things that he spoke about in, in uh, his Simplified Humanism post was uh, old age and health. That if you see a four-year-old on a train track, it's the ethical thing to save them. If there is a uh, 45-year-old who is sick, it is the good thing to make them healthy again. And likewise, if you see a 100-year-old on a t- train track, it's good to save them. And if there's a 140-year-old who is, you know, feels like he has a cough or something, it's good to cure him of that. And there's there's no limit to that. There's always more life, more health is better, period, no matter how old you are. And it's really weird that some people think that there should be a, a point where suddenly it's better to be dead. Right. So it's weird from where we're sitting, but I don't know if that's like fair to people who've you know never heard of the idea. Like the idea of radical life extension has this kind of knee jerk, like you know, reluctance to it. Mm-hmm. That while I don't agree with, I think I can sympathize with, just because it does sound weird and futury and all that stuff. But so I don't want to say like it's just weird because it is. But I want to give some. If anyone was repelled by that way of phrasing <laughs> it, well, I rest assured we're we're sympathetic. Yeah, sometimes d- deathism is widely. <laughs> held by a lot of people yeah. if they bother to think about it i i don't want to like turn this into a let's talk about things that we hate episode but i saw an article very recently at the daily telegraph i think it was hmm. where uh someone wrote about um who was it mark zuckerberg recently invested three billion dollars yeah. into curing all disease <laughs> which is wildly optimistic but at least he's trying right yeah. and they wrote oh by the way mark zuckerberg this is the worst idea ever what about when people stop dying and we overpopulate the planet and then everyone <laughs> dies from being scrunched up too close together <laughs> or some shit like that and i was like fuck like literally just knee jerk. Oh, curing disease is bad yeah, because people would live longer. That is terrible. That is what the argument was. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you so don't deserve to have a voice. The argument, <laughs> the, the argument from overpopulation, I think, is uh, a pretty quick go to for a lot of people. Yeah. Which I, I mean, is willing. Like I'm willing to engage that, but I think it's pretty quick to knock down. I think it's just what people come up with immediately. You yeah. know, complete the pattern. Yeah. But, I mean, A, there's a lot more space on Earth than we're currently utilizing. Mm-hmm. And B, the list of possible habitable spaces in the universe does not end with, like, Earth's surface. So there's all kinds of room out there for us to <laughs> stretch out into. And I've, I've always been of the opinion that, yes, this would be a problem, but there are many ways to solve this problem. And possibly the worst possible way to solve this problem is literally kill everyone yeah. that is currently alive. Actually, I think I remember that being a quote from you that I've used other places that of all the problems that death is supposed to, is quote, supposed to solve, it doesn't solve any of those problems well. Yeah. Yeah. Which you had, or which I remember hearing from you in like a little talking heads thing that you did with, but yeah. like PZ Myers, Elias Yudkowsky, and David Brennan? That's right. 
Uh, so cool. we'll we'll have to link fun. to that because that was fun. Okay. So I guess we we've started on one aspect of transhumanism already, which is life extension. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can go th- over some of the objections, like the one where overpopulation is one of the most common objections. Um, another one is that people think that you'll get bored or you won't value your life as much. I mean, I guess that's possible, but no one's like stopping you from killing yourself if you get too yeah. bored. That's sort of always been my thing is like the idea of like compulsory living forever sounds sounds like it could, it could go really awful. bad. Yeah. yeah. So I'm all about like just being able to check out whenever I want. And if that's in 50 years or 50 million years, you know, I'd like that window. I think a lot of the, especially religious objectors to life extension would really come down hard on the side of saying death should creep up on you gradually without your consent. <laughs> but why? Yeah. But why is a very good question. <laughs> and, and more specifically, why religious people? <laughs> oh, because, you know, like suicide being yeah. not, not yeah. good and the and just taking life and death into your own hands is pe- what a lot of religious people don't like yeah but i mean religions have evolved so much as as technology has come uh, i'm sure one of the next big steps once immortality was achieved would be like oh hey actually it's all right to kill yourself in certain situations like you yeah. gotta go get the priest's blessing or something <laughs> and, and then he's like yes it is okay with the big jeezy <laughs> you can do your thing. You'll probably put it just like that too. <laughs> he probably wouldn't use those terms. And I sort of apologize to anyone who's offended. <laughs> um, if, if you're going to talk about Catholicism as a particular example, Catholicism has still not condoned birth control, even though individual Catholics may have movements um, the official Catholicism has not, and I predict never will. Never, Hasn't the Pope ever. officially condoned it? No. Oh. He's, he has said things like... It is it, for your own conscience or something? He, he's basically said things like a lot of things that are considered sinful still won't, may not prevent you from going to heaven if you just try to give, live a good life yeah. in other ways, right? Like this is the Pope that said even atheists can get to heaven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I like this Pope a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he's... He's good for a pope. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think his his perspective though is like maybe you'll have a, a deathbed uh, conversion, conversion or, or repentance, and so like even if you're doing all these things, you could still go to heaven. Okay, and I don't know, maybe and if with enough time in purgatory, you can get there even if you didn't yeah. convert on your deathbed. Yeah. I'm not sure what the official Catholic doctrine on this is. It could be something like that. It's probably something like, hey, man, we don't try to speak for God in all things. So right. who knows what's possible? But I didn't know that posthumous conversion was possible. And if it is, then I would think I'd probably convert fairly quickly. I don't, not I'm sure not sure it's sure exactly it's... about conversion, but like you still have sins on your soul to work off in purgatory. But like no one goes straight to heaven in the Catholic mythology. Oh, well, yeah. if that works out, Jesus then... got straight to heaven. He had to spend three days in hell. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure it was cake for him. No, uh, I'm sure that was probably the nice really part of hell. Yeah, <laughs> just the part where like you're trying to fit a sheet over over a mattress, and it just the last corner keeps popping up the whole time. That's that's Jesus as hell. Yeah. Um. Sorry, that was probably way so out there. Th- th- this whole tangent was just my way of saying like I think there are definitely some religions that you can't expect to embrace Im- immortality or or suicide yeah. uh, in the future, and yes, some religions will definitely always cling to certain things that will never change. Hmm. 
I think the indictment against suicide and religions was a fairly st- smart move because if you believed everything that the religion teaches, minus the suicide bit, getting right. to heaven as quickly as possible sounds like the best way to live your life, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like the first second that you accept it and have the means, you just kill yourself and get straight there. Yeah. So well, saying I mean, saying the, you can't do that is great for your mimetic fitness for your religion. The most the most altruistic thing a priest could do is murder all the babies as soon as they're born, because like boom, straight ticket to heaven. Well, I mean not straight because no one goes straight to heaven, but at least you don't spend a lot of time in purgatory because you haven't sinned too much yet. <laughs> All right, so and, this might, this and might depending be- on your religion, some babies just go straight to heaven with no time in purgatory. This so might- yes, you're damning your own soul to hell, but think of how many people you're saving. It's totally worth it. Because you only can go to hell once, but you can get a lot of babies into heaven in a lifetime. So this might be a digression, but you're, uh, you might know the answer. I don't really get, what is it that babies have sinned for? I thought that wasn't the whole thing that Jesus died for everybody's sins. Well, yes, uh, which is why it's possible to go to... Okay, see, this depends a lot on which actual religion you're talking about, because there are many flavors of Christianity. Right. Uh, but one of the big things is that everyone is born with original sin. But didn't... So Jesus died for all of our sins except original sin? Including original sin. But before Jesus died, you no one could get into heaven, period. Oh, and, so he And now the... it's possible to get there. He could have done better than that. <laughs> No, so are you saying you could be a better Jesus than Jesus? I think I would have said, you know what? That whole hell business is kind of fucked up, (laughs) right? Right. Most religions do consider uh, the crucifixion of Jesus to be retroactive, but um, you do have to be baptized in many religions in order for that to apply to you. Weird. All right. The whole, I mean, and, we, and we, there's we, a lot of them. We agreed yeah. way back in the day this wouldn't be like an anti-religion podcast. Yeah. Yes, but I, I'm going to just point out that that makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not supposed to necessarily make sense. It's supposed to form a community, which is very different from making sense. Well, but it's also supposed to make sense. No. Really? <laughs> no. Really? They're going to say it's supposed <laughs> no, to make sense. No, it really is supposed to make sense. You think? Yeah. I, I mean, think if it was supposed to make sense, they could have done a much better job. Well, I think that they're... I mean, you're... To be fair, you're the expert. <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, you came, you're, you're the only one who came from a fundamentalist, like, Christianity oh, oh, background. Okay. So, well, I mean... A, a lot of uh, theologians throughout history have done a really good job, given what, you know, they had to work with. That's their, true. Yeah. yeah, given their limitations. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess my argument is, if you were really dedicated to making sense, you would re-examine some of the basic premises because you can't make complete sense out of what you got. But you're right. Given what you got, yeah. some of them do a decent job. And if their goal wasn't to make sense, they would spend more time. They would they would just wave their hands. But if someone points out, you know, a, a logical contradiction or some confusion, they'd be like, you know, what? it's not supposed to make sense. Yeah. They would just say that. They wouldn't write books. and Or they would do, say you have to have faith. Well, they, they often, I think, do say that. But it comes at the, at the end of, you know, book length rebuttals, right? Right. Sometimes, so, yeah. Yeah. All right, where were we? Back so we're to, talking about to objections to immortality or life extension, the religious objections, the ones where you, the only way you could die is if you killed yourself and that's bad, and the ones where you wouldn't appreciate life. Um, some of them are, one in particular is that if you get old, then you won't be able to change your mind, and then the you'll just have a whole bunch of like calcified opinions hanging around forever. I think that is again, one of those problems that is worst solved by death (laughs) by killing everyone who doesn't change their mind anymore. I mean, maybe there'll be a period of centuries or millennia where a lot of people don't change their mind, but 
I figure at some point we will figure out a technology to help people change their minds again, to increase brain brain plasticity or openness to new experiences or something. Yeah, and I I think there is actually some pretty good evidence that age by itself doesn't, as much as you might think, set your opinions or keep you from learning. A lot of older scientists are still doing great innovations in their old age. They're questioning past scientific results. Um, they're, they are learning new things. I think it is a lot of maybe the limitations of some older people are just due to like the beginnings of dementia, perhaps. Or I hear a lot yeah. of older people are actually a lot f- more flexible than younger people are. Yeah. They, they have more experience. They don't, they aren't as filled with the fervor of true belief <laughs> <laughs> that you have when you are very young yeah. or that some people have. I was yeah. victim to that. I think there's a couple things there that one, many old people have had the experience of changing their mind a bunch of times and yeah. it's less painful for them to do it you know, yeah. one more time. The other thing that today's old people don't really represent what old people will be like in 70 years from now mm-hmm. because they grew up, it was very easy to be you know, an old person up until like 15 years ago and never have internet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, not the internet is like the gateway to opening your mind, but it it (laughs) often can be. Mm -hmm. And so, like growing up in a worldwide community rather than like the community of your town, I think make opens is probably one avenue to like making people more plastic in their belief uh, rigidity. I like where you're going with this. I do think that um, change, cultural change, has happened very quickly in the last hundred years, and that may have. presented an extra challenge for people to remain flexible in their old age. I know I've said this to people before. I'm not sure if I've said it on the podcast before, but one of the reasons I do consider the rationality movement important and I, I want to spread it is because I think a lot of the rationality movement is about changing your mind Mm -hmm. and uh, how to change your mind correctly, how to be open to new evidence. And uh, since I I want to live for as long as possible in the trillions of years, and I want that for as many people as possible, I feel like this is a very important skill slash social technology that we will have to be able to implement on a wide scale because having everyone stuck in their current mentality forever is probably a bad idea. Uh, As we discover new things, we probably will want to change your mind on things. And so since I think rationality is such a good way to uh, pass that skill along of being able to change your mind and adapt to new information, I I think it's important to pass along to people. Like I see, I very rarely see people who are rabid in their beliefs on, on, in the rationalist community. And as much as I do with like just my general friends out in the public, they, they, they're like, yes, I believe very strongly in this one thing and I will never change. And sometimes I'm like, I mean, I'm, I agree with you on that thing, and yeah. I am happy you hold that belief, but on the other hand, the and I will never change thing kind of worries me. And also, why you got to demonize everyone that disagrees with you? <laughs> they can have honest disagreements. This is why we talk about things. I've, yeah, I've run well, into that a lot I mean, in the last I, year. Maybe it kind of depends on what you're disagreeing about, though. If, if you're disagreeing about a, a claim of fact, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of weird to strongly believe in. Yeah, <laughs> it's more about things like social issues yeah. and, and moral issues and how to approach the world not actual claims of fact those are much easier to mm. yeah no, I, know, I can think of examples of people that would say i re- you know I, re- I resent any investigation into this fact because i i want this to be true or not true or something right mm-hmm. um not typically like rationalist people but that's definitely out there 
Well, some of them are like incorporating claims of fact. Things like, um, I well, maybe that the deathism could be a good example. Like, I strongly believe that being immortal is bad for humans, and that incorporates some some empirical claims as well as moral yeah. claims. And someone said like they'd never change their mind on that. I just. Mm. Whenever someone says something like that, I'm like, hey, how about instead of killing people, we teach them rationality? Yeah. <laughs> it's a much better solution. <laughs> but killing them is so much easier. I mean, yes, there's that. <laughs> but it, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, pa- pa- sort of. Killing one person is so much easier. Once you got to start organizing a genocide, it gets well, harder. Letting people die is very easy. That's true. All you got to do is not do anything. Yeah. And part of, I think, transhumanist mindset, maybe just. Like maybe rationality mindset, the kind of over overlap is like just because it's hard doesn't mean like that we should do it or yeah. that we shouldn't do it rather. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it takes more effort, then it takes more effort. Yeah. You know, buckle down, get it done. The if you're in the 16th century and you come across smallpox, you should cure smallpox. And yeah. the fact that you can't sucks. Yeah. But you still should if you could. And it it was I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised when I found out that people objected to curing smallpox back in the day. But I was very I had shocked. Not to learn heard this. of that. I mean, people... I don't know if how many people. Maybe just a few. I don't know. But, but the fact that anyone. Yeah, did. some people were writing things about like uh, trying to avoid the wrath of God, and this is a sin. I was going to make you pause and say, guess who was opposing it? But uh, you probably <laughs> you probably could have guessed. Yeah. I actually that would not have been my first guess. That probably would have been my second guess. <laughs> who would be your first guess? Uh, my first guess would be people who say that it makes the human race weak to allow the weakest immune system people to survive instead of being weeded out by smallpox. That's a good first guess. I like that. Probably both. I don't know. But yeah, I only heard it in the context yeah. of religious people. Yeah. Like, and I mean, they were the people who were most against uh, organ transplants too, right? Most against anything that like saves lives and makes the world a better yeah. place. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear they were the most against throwing buckets of water on fires. <laughs> the fire is God's will. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't have lit your house on fire <laughs> if he didn't want you to burn to death. You, sh- you should also not go outside the house either. Yeah. Okay. Um, so your your blog is called... Death is bad. Yes, it is. Do you want to me talk about how that that came to be important enough to you that you would name your whole blog that? Uh, it, it was mainly from talking to people who who basically had your opinion. Uh, not not necessarily even that it was good for consequentialist uh, reasons, like we got to avoid overpopulation or whatever, but who just simply embraced death as a moral good into itself, that it makes life meaningful and yeah. that it is an important phase shift that every human has to go through. And uh, what would you do with your life if if you didn't like have the experience of watching a loved one die? It wouldn't be as as meaningful of a life or something. Yeah, that's terrible. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm just gonna say straight up as as an axiom that death is bad, period. And I will not I will not entertain any arguments to the contrary. Sounds like you're dangerously close to saying, I'll never change my mind about that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if someone was torturing me and I knew that the rest of my life would be torture, then I would prefer death. Sure. And things that are worse than death, but just in general, death is a moral bad thing. I totally agree. I was just being tongue in cheek. Um, I'm kind of exactly in your camp. I I don't think that, uh, I mean, so, like you said, what would you do? Like the, the idea that, you know, your life is finite, that your loved one's lives are finite makes you appreciate them more. 
A, I don't know if that's true because we don't have any counterfactual worlds to compare mm-hmm. that to. We might, appre- might we might be more open to appreciating them more if we weren't constantly thinking, well, they'll be dead, you know, either tomorrow or in twenty years, um, or however many years. A, I don't know if that's true or not, but B, I'm not convinced that makes it worth it. Yeah. Like, so even if even if I cared about the people I love a little less, <laughs> but I got to care about them for a billion years, yeah. Um, it still sounds like it comes out positively that way. So I I think really the main problem with all of these is that it just sounds like it's it's arguments people have heard. And just rehash without thinking about it, which is the problem with a lot of, you know, new ideas or ideas in general. And there's just, for me personally, there's so many things I want to do. And it's depressing as hell that in 80 years, you only have time to do a few of them. Yeah. It takes a long time to master a new instrument or a language or an art form or something. And and there's just so many things I want to try and become good at. and And you don't have enough time to do all of them because you know, life currently is finite. So every time you go down one pathway, that is all those years you will not have to dedicate to another pathway. And it kind of sucks that you have to just choose a few things. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to a time when I can do everything I want to do. I'm like, yes, in three centuries from now, I'll get around to the cello. That's, that's, I mean, part of my way of looking at it too. I think, and Shelley hinted at this earlier that like, you'll get bored with eternity. And I did love, and Method of Rationality was the most concise version of challenging that that I'd ever heard, which was, I don't think, it was Harry arguing with Dumbledore, and he would he was explaining to Quirrell later, he's like, I don't think Dumbledore had in his mind a mental model of himself, you know, continuing in the afterlife when he was telling me how bored I'd get being alive forever. Yeah. Right. And that seems to be, you know, the people who most, I mean, a lot of people are religious, a lot of people make the argument that you'll get bored. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you're not going to get bored sitting on a you know cloud learning the harp for a trillion years? <laughs> yeah. Or whatever it is you do? Uh, like, I guess the idea, though, is like regular life will get boring, but transcendent afterlife will is a fundamentally different thing. And then, we make, yeah. then we make Earth transcendent and awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I also maintain that there's a lot more to get, like a lot more to do, even in regular boring Earth right Indeed. now. Then you can fill in a lifetime. So once that gets boring, then we'll have plenty of other cool stuff to do. The Chinese afterlife is really interesting. Oh, okay. Actually, there's a wide diversity of cultures in China, so I don't want to say the Chinese afterlife, but uh, at least one of the one of the major ones that I've read about, it's basically just real life except with ghosts. Like mm-hmm. they have bureaucracies and and uh, people that they have to file paperwork up to, and they have cash problems, and it is it is like. <laughs> You just get life again, except yeah. now you have a ghost body instead, and it goes on for a lot longer. And I, I, it, it, it almost seems like, oh my god, I thought I was done with this shit, yeah. and now here I go again. When will this unending <laughs> hell ever <laughs> cease? <laughs> you just move next door, basically. Yeah, yeah. Shift one dimension over. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in the immortality? A lot, like, like the whole, the whole fun theory sequence, is perhaps my favorite of the whole <laughs> of all the sequences should we should we get into this now or should we talk about a little bit more about the different elements of transhumanism uh that's a good question did we want to do that because i remember the second one was iq which we didn't even get to in, in the in the simple simplified humanism oh one? yeah we don't have to go over everything in in order i'm totally fine to do whatever we want but i am curious i kind of want you to steer this so if you oh. want to do more more exploration, like ground level stuff where we get deep into one thing. If we want to get deep into one thing and then drag ourselves back out and go down to other avenues. Yeah, I, what's I, your idea? I, I guess I would want to at least briefly mention some of the different 
paths we can go down before going down any one of them, (laughs) which is um, IQ, intelligence um, enhancement is really important. The well, because first of all, as far as I can tell, intelligence really impacts your enjoyment of life. I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but I, I, I I go back to the old better to be a sad Socrates than a happy pig quote, just -hmm. because there seems to be so much more to enjoy and more ability to enjoy it in different ways when you have more mental capacity. And the the example that Eliezer used in the um, simplified humanism one was if someone has an IQ of 130 and a lead-heavy environment is slowly degrading that down to 120, most people would say it is a good idea to prevent that from happening, to let him stay at 130. Uh, But if his sister has an IQ of 120, a lot of people wouldn't say, let's embark on a program to gradually increase her IQ to 130. They would be like, no, let's just leave her where it is, where she is. And and transhumanism doesn't make that claim. Transhuman says if a higher IQ is better, then it would be just as good to raise her to 130 as it would be to prevent him from dropping down to 120. And and I think that is true too. Why well, not just keep I think there are two elements to consider that are not quite as straightforward as just like smart is good. Okay. Um one is that it should be their choice. Like, if he wants to let the, his IQ degrade, yeah. it's not going to force any, any I, I, treatment on him. I, I, I don't think we ever mentioned this explicitly, but I do think bodily autonomy is a core component of transhumanism as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, which is a thing like no one can tell you that you have to do things or that you can't do things yeah. to yourself. Like, so, if you want to kill yourself, you can. So, yeah, morphological freedom is one of the t- key components of my transhumanism. But the second thing also is that there is an argument for not changing insofar as it's part, you may be changing things that are part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And there are, I can imagine, enhancements, things that could be considered enhancements that I wouldn't want to to go through myself in the interest of still being me and not being like, me being dead and replaced by someone who has all my memories. Yeah, like I'm sure a 200 IQ me would be a drastically different person than the me I am now at only 198. (laughs) (laughs) But but my perspective on changing a lot of these things is that if you change gradually, then you can still maintain some coherence of identity so that you can can get there eventually in a lot of ways. Um, Still, there are some enhancements where, where I wouldn't be able to get there even gradually, I don't think. But as, as far as IQ, I feel like you could continue being yourself as long as you had the ability to, to, to do maintenance to, to continue being coherent. Can I, yeah. I want to touch on those in, re, in reverse order. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the, the point of gradual increase because, uh, I mean, in some important way, I, I continued from childhood to adulthood in a way that wasn't radically disrupting overnight. Right, so if I if I winked out for a second and all of a sudden I have the mind of an adult, that would have been very disrupting, and I might not have appreciated the change. But going slowly, I liked it. I think more than I would have otherwise. Although to be fair, I didn't try the otherwise. So, <laughs> um, but the other thing was, as far as autonomy, I, I I agree that if someone's in capacity to make a decision, that it's good. But like, then I'm wondering if that holds true for the reverse case. So like the you know in the example of the sister with the 120 going to 130, um, say it was 60 and she could go to 130. Mm-hmm. 
And now at 60, she might not have the capacity to make a choice. Yeah. But so do you give her the shot that gives her, you know, that fixes her brain? I, I am I am tickled pink that you are holding that copy of Analog right now because that is what my story in there is about. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about is it moral to force a change on someone when they are not competent to make that decision for themselves? Well, if your answer is no, then I disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, at least I, I softly disagree with you. I am I, currently persuaded that lacking the capacity to make a choice, it's okay to let people who can make good choices make that choice for you. Well, Just like my, my, my go-to example of this is like if you offer a three-year-old the chance to get a vaccine, they're going to say, no, it hurts, mm -hmm. and that you can't explain to them, no, no, seriously, you don't want to die of mumps, mm -hmm. right? But so you, you, you defer to the, the, the person with the capacity to like make the choice for them and override that kid's wishes. Yeah, I don't but see a problem with that. I view that, that three-year-old as actually not having full autonomy by virtue of the fact that they don't understand but so you're a, not actually violating their autonomy. It it is their their ch childlike mind that is violating their autonomy. Yeah, but what if the <laughs> trans are transhuman descendants with IQs in the unmeasurable thousands uh, look at us and say we are like children. We do not have enough autonomy to make that decision, and so we will make it for you. It's possible, and I'm not going to rule it out. But I feel like. Like the ability to to make decisions to, to the degree where you can have some kind of sensible autonomy ha happens pretty l low in the IQ scale. Yeah, no, I mean in in the in the current world, it's pretty okay. It can be it can be um, a little bit iffy around the edges when we're talking about people with developmental disabilities. But we have just the right now the straight out line at eighteen years of old. old. Unless you get emancipated early, it's where you can actually make your own decisions. But I think that's because everyone becomes an adult eventually and everyone wants to have that bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. And in a future world where there is an entire race of humans like us who will never reach transhuman godhood, the the superior race would just have to make that decision for us by themselves or respect our autonomy if we want not to, right? I mean, where... There is no sharp line to draw anymore. We will never reach that without their intervention. I think I see where you're going, and I like that. I really like that point because the analogy I think is pretty solid. But I do. I would like to think that I have more capacity to to understand arguments and be persuaded than a than a toddler. Uh, and so yes, but probably you to a toddler is less of a jump than you to the transhuman gods. Yeah, but hopefully they could, you know. So should they respect your autonomy or should they make th the right choice and give you the vaccine? I was going to go with the third option and say that they could probably talk me into it for reasons that I would agree with. Now, granted, if they have super persuasion powers, that's almost like taking away my autonomy. Mm -hmm. But at least, I mean, I don't know if it's I, I think it's I'm kind of on board with Stephen, which is that uh, ability to reason doesn't require you to be even as smart as Eniash, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you could be dumber and still still have enough <laughs> and still have ability to reason such that the most intelligent creature could still come and reason with you and respect your autonomy. This relates to my major beef that whenever what if you make the wrong choice. Well, that that may revert to a previous save. No. <laughs> <laughs> then that's not respecting your autonomy if they just keep trying yeah. until you make the right choice. No, I, I personally really strongly believe in the right to harm yourself. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. And I, I agree. And that is, that is why I did finally come down on the side of you should let people make the wrong decision. Yeah. 
even if he, even if it's something to the effect of I refuse the mumps vaccine. I think we all sort of agree because, like Shelley pointed out, kids aren't really making the decision. They're just they're just they they hear it's going to hurt and they say no. Mm-hmm. But and and like that's not not a decision or that's not a, that's not an expression of preference. Mm-hmm. But they're not really thinking about it because they can't. And but, so th- like their 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 lack of rational capacity does I think mean that they don't really have autonomy. But the way those people would those human people would look at us would be as if we right now went downstairs and saw a group of three toddlers around microphones discussing whether or not they should be forced to get vaccines. I don't know if they would think that. And no. they, they, they oh, might. I totally think they would. Well, I, like we literally do not have the mental capacity to to make that decision for ourselves, well, much like those toddlers don't. I mean, maybe. And, we, I mean, we may we may physically not have that capacity because we cannot, you know, grasp the things that they're trying to say. Much like a toddler just wouldn't be able to grasp why this is beneficial for them. Sure. I mean, so this sort of relates to my, like, my own beef with like one of the, one of the things Neil deGrasse Tyson always says when he talks about aliens finding intelligent life on Earth. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh yeah, look at Stephen Hawking. He can do, you know, complex, you know, uh, higher order mathematics in his head, just like little four-year-old Timmy over here. Mm-hmm. And he, says, he, he jokes that like, we'll, we'll stand in relation to them like we do to ants. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, and like, so they'll, I think in, I might be butchering the rest of his quote or his point, but he, he talks about like, how they won't uh, feel like we're intelligent. Yeah. And I, I strongly disregard yeah. that. Because there's definitely a difference between what we're doing and what ants are doing and what ants are doing and what rocks are doing. Right. right? So, like, at the very least, they'll find something interesting here, even if even if it's super boring to their standards. Right? Even if it's something that their lower-order pets are, are operating at the same level we are, well, they're still going to say, that's super rare and awesome, right? I just hope they have an ethical theory close enough to mine to say, let's let those humans make their own choices even though we don't think that they are qualified to do that. I think the main reason we do it for children is because we know that the children will grow up and we want them to not die. So we impose our will on them anyway. But I mean, you could make that same case for the aliens. They're like, these stupid humans are going to die if we don't upgrade them. I don't know. It's just different with children because I'd go to jail if I didn't try to keep a child alive. That's a very different kind of argument. Yes, it is. I, okay. I just don't think that uh, differences between IQ are the same at every level. Like a, a child versus you is not the, the exact same thing as you versus someone with, you know, 100 or 200 extra I, IQ points. No, I agree. But were you raised in a uh, religious context? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like how would you compare yourself to God? Like in terms of being able to understand anything? Like the way you understood God earlier. Uh, well, as a religious person, you are supposed to say that you can't understand anything about God hardly at all. Right. right? So. I mean, it's not inconceivable that a highly advanced race would be as unto God. Oh, but now that I'm not religious, I don't, I don't take those uh, mystical, mysterious ideas seriously anymore. Okay, so you you don't think there is a level past what you could comprehend? No. I mean, there, there's definitely things that I can't comprehend, but I don't need to be able to understand really complicated things in order to, to have respectable autonomy, whereas a three-year-old is missing something uh, that is not just inability to understand complicated things. They're, they're missing something much more related to basic ability to reason. I think I think this is one of the reasons I shouldn't have children, because <laughs> I would be like, okay, little Timmy, I'm not going to violate your bodily autonomy. <laughs> you may run in that street if you want to. I'll just tell you I think it's a bad idea. 
But I also get the impression that if I, based on the other adults I've seen, that if I were to have a child, all of a sudden uh, those values would change. And I would be like, get your ass over here, Timmy, or I'll beat you. Because <laughs> so, I don't want you to die. <laughs> so I, I maintain that, like with my alien example, I think if God wanted to, God could convince us of whatever reasons that he had for whatever, right? Okay. Um, so, like... The idea that it might be inscrutable to us, I think, is just, you know, hand-waving, we don't know kind of thing like we talked about. It's not supposed to make sense. Mm-hmm. You would think that, hey, if you're really all, if you're really as smart as you're, tell yourself you are, tell us that you are, you could you could dumb this down for me, right? Yeah. Well, what if but, it but, forced you to have a face shift into, like, some sort of spiritual entity and you like your physical body? Eh, I mean, well, I'll get back to that in a second, but I wanted to say that I think what Shelley was getting at is, I think, the next important part, that, like, you can have kids with really high IQs mm-hmm. that test... You know, they, they can do things that their peers can't, and that's that's how they measure IQs. And I think that running with just that number is not really the most useful metric. Right. Because a lot of other co- stuff comes along with, you know, like, a, I think this was on the air. Taryn, in a previous episode, you and I and him were talking about, like, coming online as a sentient adult. Mm-hmm. Um, kids don't have that, right? Yeah. So part of part of that is, or that that's a big part of, you know, what it means to, like, be a, a rational agent. Um, I don't know if that's the main ingredient or yeah. even the biggest, but it's definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. The idea to think that, like, to, to reflect on the fact that, like, not just that things are happening to you and responding to them, but to be aware of, like, oh, I'm currently thinking about what's happening around me and I'm thinking about how I'll respond to it. Yeah. That's that's a different level of of existence. And well, I, When you were a child, you couldn't imagine that being beyond that level of existence, right? Yes. And so... There is hypothetically maybe a level of existence beyond what we're at now, which we can't imagine. Probably. Hypothetically, but I'm not sure that it makes good good sense to assume that there is. No, I'm, I don't. I agree with you. Yeah. But I'm just talking hypothetics right now that there could be a situation where we want someone to respect our bodily autonomy in a way that we don't for lesser beings. I think now I'm capable of understanding the argument, look, I really just can't explain this to you because your mind is literally incapable of handling it. Whereas a kid, I couldn't yeah. understand that argument. Yeah. Right? So if if God came to me and or if a, if a transhuman person with a, you know, five-digit IQ was trying, would told me, hey, look, I really just can't explain this to you, but trust me. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm capable now of at least acknowledging that kind of sentence that's that sort of thought whereas yeah. before i'm just like nope needles hurt or whatever right yeah. if you right. asked me about if i wanted to get vaccinated or something yeah i don't know if there's that much more to it i mean on the plus side we i don't strongly anticipate us running into that situation i no, do see us getting either. there along the gradual path probably mm-hmm. or at the very least something that we do to ourselves not that is imposed on us from the outside mm-hmm. yeah, and i personally just think that um that the ingredients necessary for having autonomy that could should be respected is reason and self-aware sapience and you really don't need to have like powerful cognitive uh, abilities to, you know beyond just what's necessary for those things so but maybe there's a secret third thing that maybe. none of us know about because none of us have it <laughs> well in that case screw that thing <laughs> cool that is also the conclusion i finally went with yeah mainly because i like who i am right now yeah and it, I don't know if it was a uh, right answer, but it's the answer I like. Whoever these super intelligences are that would consider that necessary, they don't just don't have the same values as I do. Well, I mean, the the whole we we were talking a lot in the terms of we, but it could very well be a different section of we. It could be like the we that grew up on Mars discovered this technology first, and now they're still human and they're trying to impose this on the Earthlings, and the Earthlings don't want it. 
I mean, so, so I get, they have I get, very similar values since they both they grew up human as well. well. I get the challenge you're trying to make, but I feel like in that situation, just to run with it as presented, that you'd get some number of volunteers from Earth. Yeah. Who would say, no, no, trust me, Inyash, I'm going to go try this. Just let me see it. Let me tell you how it turns out. I go, I'm gone for an hour and I come back. I'm like, you know what? It's actually pretty awesome. And I, I'm still the same me. I can answer the same questions. And, but there's but now, be now some... I have smidgen, this really cool sense that you, 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 I can't explain to you. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm <laughs> sure most people will be convinced by that. But there's going to be some tiny fraction of holdout of Amish people who are like, I like my, uh, my lack of zippers and I'm going to stick with it. So that I'm actually, I'm torn with, like, I used to, when I grew up, I thought like the Amish community ideal was kind of like quaint and cute. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, no, kids are like dying with splinters. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm sort of not in favor yeah. of that. If it, so it, what we're, the, again, we're, we're hammering on the same difference. I'm not sure if we disagree on anything, but we might. But like the difference is that like if an adult decides, you know what, fuck this, they throw their phone in the river and they're going to just go live in the woods. Cool, go for it. Mm-hmm. If they drag their kids with them, then we have a problem, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. the kids aren't capable of consenting, but right. they don't have the autonomy to disagree. Uh, there's, I think, a huge barrier that, and we're regarding a difference, like in in kind of like minds, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I get like there could be some third stage here, but I don't. So, not to get all, I might have um, just turned my position around. <laughs> not to get all um um incendiary on you, but in that case, would it be child abuse if you had a child that was deaf and you could correct it with a cochlear ear implant, but you wouldn't because you grew up deaf and you want them to have the same culture? I mean, so you're choosing an example that happens to have a real life Uh component to it, which makes my answer inflammatory. Yeah, okay. But no, no, but I'll I'll go for it and I'll say yes. I mean, consider the the alternative where you were born deaf and Mm -hmm. you the reason that you like it and value it is because you developed this really cool community with people that have the same struggle that you do yeah. and it was valuable to you growing up. But your kid's born as a hearing person and you're like, mm, I want them to be raised deaf and you you know, grab a chopstick and pop their yeah. eardrums or something, right? <laughs> so that's child abuse. Uh-huh. Um, I don't see how... So like that's the same example as raising the kids IQ versus not... Or you know, lo- whatever, right? The yeah. one from the simplified transhumanism. So I definitely would see them not necessarily as equivalent because one you're you know harming and it takes a different kind of person to harm somebody etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. but i see the outcomes is basically the same uh well, you're, I mean, you're you're subtract like imagine the alternative like i mean if you want to just raise them with adversity and have them have that cool community why do you just stop at deafness like why don't you take their eyes out too right mm-hmm. so like that's all kinds of adversity if adversity makes you a stronger <laughs> better person imagine having no hands no eyes and no ears right, right. so i mean <laughs> How far do you want to turn this up until it, like, no, okay, that's, that's I've got far. enough nightmare fuel for, for now. Thank well, you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'd, I'd slightly modify that by saying, like, uh, in the case where you have to actually make an effort to get them the implant, then there's, like, money, and then there's the time, and there's the risk. There's always risk with surgery. But still, I would say, in general, like, n- choosing not to do it is the bad, the wrong choice. Yeah, and I don't feel like in situations, especially like with a cochlear implant, that you're, that's your true objection, that I think surgery is unsafe, right? They'll, that, that's, I don't think that's even the objection they would give. They would just say, I don't want my kid to have them. I that's think, it, I'm the parent. I think choosing not to do it is the wrong choice as well, but I think that the parent's uh, autonomy and wishes should be respected. What about the Amish Maybe. kids dying with splinters? Uh, yeah, I mean, sucks to be that Amish kid, but I they signed up for it by being born into an Amish family. <laughs> As long as you're willing to acknowledge how unfair that is yeah. and, and run with that to the bottom, then that's fine. Okay. <laughs> and I would also mention that uh, although weird. I think that being that he, 
being able to hear is better than being deaf. It's not like a huge negative to be deaf. That's true. It's, and that, it's, it, a, it's a small. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a soft example. That's it. I mean, because you are I, losing like some major components of happiness. Yeah. Like some people like music. Yeah. You won't have that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's also weird because like, while I'm like, it's okay for the Amish kids to die of diseases, even though that sucks. If there was like a religion that tortured children or sexually abused them or something, I'd be like, nope. Your religion gets to die now, and all your children are being taken away. But if nature abuses them because of their religion, then it's thereby magically okay? Yeah, I don't know, man. All right. Well, it's it's because of the virtue ethics side of things, the, the intuition that most of us have, even if we are not virtue ethicists, that it matters it, what kind of person you have to be psychologically in order to do those things. Yeah. That's I mean, I, a big I, part of it. I can easily imagine a couple who loved their daughter walking up a volcano to throw her in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be a, I think, a psychologically healthy person just with a bunch of stupid ideas and do bad things to your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, mm. I don't know where Aristotle would draw the line I, there. I really don't think that like cultures that brainwash people into child sacrifice are simultaneously preserving their psychological health. <laughs> Maybe not across the board, but as far as like how much they love their kids, I think that you know, if you really thought, like, I mean, it's it's the Going back to like you know the well, priest killing we, babies, we right? can even well. Yeah, so like if, he, if if they if the priest really loved babies, and he really believed what he was preaching, mm-hmm. that seems like a great thing to do, mm-hmm. right? It it and, and it would if anything mean that he just loved them enough to do it. Yeah, that he was willing to sacrifice his own eternal afterlife to save so and many babies. And also, he'd be really screwed up psychologically. Yeah, I mean to take it to a real example of that happening. Uh, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, and I don't. I think they may be getting a little easier on the blood thing, but uh, while I was uh, raised Jehovah's Witness, you couldn't get blood transfusions because that was a sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a bunch of kids that died. There were court cases that that went to the Supreme Court. Can we f- can we force the kid to get a blood transfusion over their parents' objections and even over the kids' objections? Because mm-hmm. the kids like, I don't want to sin against God. Don't yeah. give me no blood. So, yeah, I mean that that actually does happen. It's the modern equivalent of throwing someone in a volcano. You're killing a kid for no good reason aside from this like you know spiritual bullshit yeah and i i think they're psychologically unhealthy for doing that but i don't necessarily know if that's a popular opinion like for the most part people are like no they're just having their religion let them do their thing i don't want to turn this into this whole big anti-religion circle jerk, no, no, no. But- actually <laughs> the most of the court cases where uh the kid is not old enough to make that decision on their own and the parents do not get to kill their kids so we're going to force the blood transfusion on them solid i was really hoping that was the case but i didn't want to ask in cases the other way and i don't yeah, get bummed no, that- out so oh. yeah yeah i mean that that to, that to me makes the most sense right like we talked about like with the kid getting a vaccine mm-hmm. the kid doesn't know and like the kid, you know, a five-year-old is not old enough to like be a Je- be a Jehovah's Witness, right? Yeah. Don't know to be told they're a Jehovah's Witness, but not old enough to be one. I there was a story when I went to church once about a kid who was went on you know on trial to project the being forced to get a blood transfusion for religious reasons, and the judge turned to the kid and said, "Name the first five books of the Bible," and the kid couldn't do it, and he was like. Nope, don't believe you. You got to get a blood transfusion. And since then, like all of us memorized the first five books of the Bible. We're like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Yeah, you know, just can't. <laughs> Who you never know when a judge might ask you, so they can force a blood transfusion on you. That's hilarious. Yeah. And I, I don't even think that's a particularly good test, but <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> but that was what we heard in the in, in church. Good way to make you memorize the first five chapters, anyway, or, or the five, for, five first five books. Yeah, yeah. five books. Yeah. I had another thing I was really looking forward to transhuman-wise that, well, I don't know if we want to object or if we want to discuss more of like the philosophy of like why it's 
desirable. Is there any other objections that like just I'm not a transhumanist because that are worth entertaining? Like um, it's unnatural is is a popular one. But to me, I think I've said this before, but my, my tongue in cheek response to that is like I wear glasses. Yeah. And Which like, I don't even think it's tongue in cheek. That's a solid yeah. response. Yeah, but it but it it I, I guess you're right. I, I like it, but it, it does seem to violate like, well, no, that's fine, because that's just, you know, that's outside the body or something. And it, it changes when you get it inside or something. Mm-hmm. It's like they can draw new lines for natural, but yeah, like if I was going by what's natural, I couldn't have driven here today. Yeah. So well then again, I, none of us could have driven here today because we'd all be walking. So I mean cars cars are uh transhuman in the sense that you're moving beyond what nature gave you. Yeah. I mean, I've had my eyes lasered. I've had chunks of the inside of my throat scooped out. Uh, my ex-wife had her appendix removed. There's there's a lot of people that would have would be dead if it wasn't for you know medical advances like that. And there's no reason to stop. I agree. I just I'm wondering if there's anything else they're worth entertaining. I don't want someone to get all the way through this and be like, you know what? They didn't they didn't address this obvious comeback. Uh, but I, I can't th- think of what that might be. I would think maybe one of the things people have um, somewhat of an objection to is the eugenic side of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, since that whole comes with the Nazi baggage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there a strong eugenics component other than like the things that we've kind of talked about, like forcing people to upgrade or not? I mean, I'm, yes, because you can't consent to having your genes tinkered with before you're born, right? But in the, it, if, it you're is, not, if you're is, not consenting to being born anyway, I'd rather be born yeah. with, all my, with all the, you know, all my parts working as good as possible. I, I I know there's a lot of people objecting to to it is kind of a transhuman ideal that you aren't no one has to do this obviously, but that you would want to have the best genetics possible either by you know reverse engineering yourself with CRISPR or by choosing them for your kids the the better ones to make them taller, smarter, more attractive, whatever. And and some people have problems with that. Um, one of the the objections is that it may increase inequality if certain modifications become available, accessible to only certain people, only the rich people, I suppose. Yeah. I knew I was forgetting a good one. Thank you. I might come back more. My reply to that has always been, that's always been the case for everything in history. Rich people had cars first. Rich people had the ability to fly first. Rich people had cell phones first. Rich people always have huge advantages over non-rich people. That's the whole point of being rich. <laughs> so that'll that'll always be true. And Eventually, it gets cheaper and more affordable, and more people are able to partake in it. Cell phones are a good example of that. Like, yeah. They started out as like a toy for rich people, and now, what, everybody but the bottom billion people on Earth, maybe bottom two billion, have access to cell phones. It, even I remember, like near the bottom. I remember seeing something that like even like Somali pirates coordinating you know, in the middle of the third world are coordinating by cell phone. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's... There's a lot of people who never had landlines because they couldn't afford the infrastructure, but... They have cell phones. And that's how they what, coordinate. 25-ish years before it went from like, you know, a handful of people have them in New York before yeah. like everybody had one. Before, Yeah. I, I still remember when it was still a sign of being a douchebag if you own a cell phone. Because <laughs> <laughs> it meant you were rich and you were like, look at all this money I have on this fancy phone I can use in my car. Like, wait till you get to a payphone, motherfucker. It <laughs> <laughs> um, is theoretically possible, although I think unlikely, that massive... Uh, advances in technology would grant so much power to an elite that they would actually be able to just completely wipe out or enslave a lower class to the point where that that like none of the good stuff would filter down to that true did we ever talk about the we did talk about the drone thing right i don't know but i would just want to refine that point with what i was thinking that this is a different class of upgrade. You know, being able to talk to people from not your house is only kind of cool and useful, but being able to 
be twice as smart as your neighbors, especially your poor neighbors, if you want to keep them that way and keep yourself in the top, that could be dangerous and scary. I mean, the comeback to that might be there's no stopping it. Right. I mean, but that doesn't make it desirable. Even but if I, we stop it here, they're going to do it in China. That's, I mean, that's the other thing, too. And I think that was the thing even with, like, uh, genetic modification of embryos, right? Yeah. That they're like, fuck it, we'll do it. Yeah. 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 All, the, all the bioethicists in the West said, nope, can't do it. The government started passing laws, and 10 years later, China was like, hey, here's our first embryonically or genetically modified embryo. So in 30 years, they're going to have this race of superhumans. And <laughs> we're all, I mean, we're, depending on how it turns out. Yeah, but if it goes, well, maybe 60 years, if they're still the only ones doing it, and they're going to have some time to tinker out some of the bugs, and they're going to be just crushing the Olympics and, and every uh, standardized, you know, uh, cognitive test dude who was the guy um the chinese basketball player the really tall dude i just saw him on tv like two weeks ago and i can't remember his name oh man this is what comes from not following sports apparently he was a uh chinese selective breeding experiment really yes they got all the tallest people in the country and got them together and paid them to like have children and did that for a while and he was the result of that that's kind of interesting yeah well hey. one of them i mean he's not the only person who was born he's the apex of that experiment <laughs> right <laughs> Sorry, uh, well, so, so I interrupted uh, earlier. Someone was saying something. So what, one of my actually legitimate worries about many different possible modifications to humans is that it'll just be screwed up. <laughs> like you'll want to do X, but you'll end up doing Y, and it'll be terrible. And and it, maybe it'll be too late to re really pull back from the, that change that you introduced. I kind of slightly fear, did you ever hear our Age of M episode with Robin Hanson? I kind of slightly fear that future where we do figure out how to uh, emulate people in software. And then, uh, God, there was this great book called uh, The Quantum Thief, I believe, where uh, there's various factions throughout the solar system that have taken control. But one of them are just these eight people, which is uh, have taken over. I don't remember if it was the gas giants or the inner planets, but they're basically the descendants of Earth. And they're eight guys because – or eight people anyway. They weren't all men who just – repeated themselves ad infinitum there's like entire multi-billion clusters of them all working together and all the other humans have been outcompeted and died off because they were not the most efficient people and and i'm worried about that sort of hansonian thing happening where everyone who is not the most efficient people just sort of goes away i'm I, i'm not like worried about them wiping us out in a genocidal war or anything but just stop breeding because you don't have enough money for kids and such, and only those super productive in their awesome conglomerations remain. On the plus side, Robin Hansen's Age of M only lasted a few years. Yes. So it's not like we're going to die out through the generations. Right. But I just see that the general point still still lands. Um, that is a reasonable concern, but I I wonder if that's the, like the the rebuttal to you know AI research, like oh, what if it went badly? Yeah, but people are going to do it anyway, so we should try and do it as best we can. So this could be like that, but I mean, how do you, I mean, I guess testing this, you'd have to do slowly and carefully, but I, I mean, then the, then there's obviously a safety penalty. If people are doing it slowly and carefully are going to do it slower. And then the people who are like, fuck safety, we're going to just pedal the metal of this and see how it turns out. I think that kind of brings, brings the whole thing back to the idea of a singleton, a, uh, are you familiar with the concept of singleton? Okay. Where there is just one entity that has complete control over what can and cannot be done. Basically like a sort of tyrannical uh, government that it decides, no, no one is allowed to enslave children or to have more than two copies of themselves or whatever because of eventually it'll result in this horrible thing. Like the only way you can stop 
as, as we were saying, this race to the bottom of let's get AI done first because it'll make us win no matter how unsafe it is, is to have someone controlling all the governments and all the people in the world and saying, if we see you doing this, we put a stop to it. A, a, a unchallengeable sovereign. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what to say about that. I mean, I, is, is there any other way to prevent these sort of scenarios other than having that? Because as long as you can have one person somewhere that can break the law and make a super smart AI that accidentally destroys the world, you got a problem. Right. Well, AI is a special kind of problem because that, that does propagate quickly and can do things badly. If all that happens, you know, say if we want to do, you know, fun gene modifications on embryos and it goes badly and you raise kids with, you know, IQs of 250, but they're like super miserable or they have other crazy side effects well then you know it sucks to be them and then you know that's all that happens yeah but or you if you make really great kids with iq of 250 your culture takes over the world in a few generations good well (laughs) i mean maybe (laughs) i mean if they're legitimately happy then it's true yeah yeah if everything goes great that's kind of but it's sort of the argument you cannot have any north koreas on the planet everything has to be under the control of one governing body that decides whether or not you're allowed to do these things well, I mean, in like the AI example, I think an approach to that would just be to try and get as many really good people on your team as possible and work really fast and win the race. Right. You don't necessarily have to go around shutting down the other people. Well, once you win the race, like, then you have after, to prevent other I mean, people from... After you win the race of creating the, that AI that's going to b- take off, yeah. then then that will be taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> then we will have our singleton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hope we programmed it well. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I'm really looking forward to with, like, or, I mean, one thing that I, I look forward to positively with regards to transhumanism is, like, upgraded uh, meat suit. Yes. I don't, like, physical bodies kind of suck. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess, let me take that back. Having a physical body can be great, but having the one you're born with often sucks. Yes. Even if, it, even if there's no real problems, like, you still, like, you know, have to use the bathroom and eat and sleep and all this boring. You get tired. You're, that you get irritable. That a pain in the ass. I, I have gotten to the point where my body is starting to break down in certain ways. Did you ever see the incurable shitty ankle bit by the Louis C.K.? Yeah. Yeah. So after the last time we moved from like hauling all the heavy shit up and down the stairs, my knee was just hurting for like a week, right? So I went to the doctor and he's like, here, here's some medicine. I'm like, I don't want medicine. Can't you just <laughs> surgerize it and make it good forever? And he's like, nope, that is an overreaction. <laughs> Here is some medicine. So I took the medicine. I went home and I Googled what it was. It's the same medicine they give people for arthritis. Like, I do. I am not old enough to be taking arthritis medicine. This is bullshit. On the plus side, if I it, want my new meat suit that isn't yeah. all crappy and worn out. In, in your particular case, since you are young enough to not have, you know, chronic arthritis, what it could do is reduce the inflammation in your knee until it has time to get itself better, and then that's how it, how it treats itself. I was given arthritis medicine. <laughs> I am not okay with this. You're almost dead now. I know, right? <laughs> I might as well just pack it in. Oh. <laughs> so, Stephen. Maybe this is a good time to get into the upload versus not upload thing because you're just talking about how how crappy it is to, to have a body, but I thought you were against uploading. Mm. Well, I meant how bad it is to have this body. Oh, I would like an, I would like an upgraded meat suit. Yeah, it's, it looks like a terrible. No, sorry. No, no. Uh, <laughs> we agree. <laughs> it's not great for us either, Stephen. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Shelly and maybe Inyash and I disagree on. Um, I, or at least I softly disagree. Do you want to lay out the scenario? I don't mean to. No, you go ahead. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like, so there's one of the one of the other possible ambitions of transhumanism, which like 
to say transhumanism has you know X, Y, and Z ambitions is sort of like saying Catholicism has X, Y, or like like or like uh, Christianity has whatever X, Y, and Z things. Like it's there's it's not it's not that factioned, and like the factions that our factions don't hate each other with as much with as much vitriol as like the Protestants and the Catholics, but there are disagreements. Like not everyone wants uh, AGI, not everyone wants IQ increases or whatever. But one thing that I don't that I'm not necessarily on board with yet is. Uh, well, you're not in favor of forced emigration either. No. But I, I have reluctance to the idea of like simulated worlds that people move to or uh, otherwise abandon this world to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I think about it is I have like this weird sentimental attachment to reality <laughs> and that substituting that for something that's cooler but fake, I, I don't know if I can articulate exactly what it is about that, you but would, I don't You'd be like okay that. with vacations to fake world, right? Just like you currently watch TV and play video games. Yeah, in in as far as that I didn't anticipate them or at least didn't have good reason to think that they would like modify my preferences to where like real world sucked afterwards, right? Dude, I got that even with video games sometimes. Yeah, same here. Yeah, but at like, the plus side, I know that I can't move there, so it's not a problem. <laughs> but I mean, what what about it do you like about the real world? Like is it the people cuz what if all the people left and went to to virtual world. It's literally the realness. I don't know if that's a good answer or not. I mean, but would you want to just be wandering around an empty planet by yourself? No, it'd be boring by myself, but that's not, that's, I mean, that would be a different world than the one we're in by, by a bit. But I, just the idea that like, you know, like discovering the laws of physics here on earth in, in our, in the universe is rewarding in the sense that we're figuring out how the actual universe actually works. But if, if we got emigrated to some, you know, digital world, all I'm figuring out is what the programmer Dreamed up, right? Like, Shelly, you would take the blue pill. Well, I would upload, but also just because you upload doesn't mean you cannot interact with the physical world. You can use, like, robot hands to to pick up rocks. And oh, r- yeah. If I could interact with the physical world, and, I'd be much more okay with and this idea. And I bet idea. you could interact with it even better, like, in more fidelity and, you know. I, see, I, I assumed that your position was that a virtual world completely cut off from the real world would still be preferable to the real world. It would still be preferable, but I, I see no reason to rule out having both. No, I mean, if we could have both, that'd be great. I would, I would not mind, like, having my own little virtual world and still being able to, like, download into a robot body or something and run around here. But you, if, if, if imagine I was... Imagine you could just run, o- over, run up to a, a real volcano, like a reality, just in a, a different interface. Yeah, right? no, I think that that's, that's a very different scenario than the one I was imagining. I was imagining yeah. the one from a story we're willing to called Friendship is Optimal, mm. which is, I think we might have mentioned before, um, somebody writes this, uh, like my little pony, um, AI that it's like, uh, what was the Celestia uh-huh. was the king, was the queen pony. I didn't see my little pony. I don't know if she's <laughs> yeah, the queen no, Celestia is the queen pony. Yes. So, um, basically she's going to maximize, uh, human happiness through friendship and ponies mm-hmm. and, uh, or optimize. Humans, yeah, so rather. Your, yeah, so your whole life is then afterwards lived as a pony in pony land. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'd object to. Now, if I could, <laughs> if I could go live in Skyrim, and still, you know, cool, I'm going to go jump in my, my simulator, and my simula- or not my simulator, but my whatever, my robot pilot suit, yeah. and jump into a robot that lives here on Earth. That'd be cool. And I think that'd be fine. I, yeah. I, I mean, like I, I feel like I'm, to, I'm losing a lot less that way. When you want to interact with reality, you can do so. And I, w- I imagine that I would spend like 70% of my time in virtual world. With, 
Yeah, in the in the, See, I, the I, when we talked I about this earlier, I yeah. thought you I thought you were uh, saying that it would be better to be in a virtual world completely cut off from the real world than in the real world. Well, I mean, by definition, it can't be completely cut off from the real world because it it exists like the That's, computer. Yeah. <laughs> Server but your existence exists. could be cut off from it in every meaningful way, like other than like the electricity you're running on. It, it could. And I imagine that there would probably be some people who would prefer it that way. And I think that's totally fine. Yeah. So I, I want to clarify that in the story that I was modeling our previous discussion on this on where we disagreed more strongly in the My Little Pony fanfic, you can't. Uh, it, yeah, they, and that's why I keep yeah. using the word emigrate because that's what they called it, where you basically through uh, destructive means chopped your brain up and put, and then, you know, put your conscious, your, whatever yourself into this, this fake world. And there's no going back. So that, that would be different than. I I don't remember in that story. Do people do the ponies who have, you know, ended up in Ponyland get to, to send messages back to the humans or. I think so. I think that you can talk to people who went there because like the the other, it's been a few years, but the other thing that they had was like video game pads Mm -hmm. like kind of like a big Nintendo switch where you're playing this game and it was like an MMORPG, but the people there were, some of them were real. I think what you were saying that, that some people would choose to do that. I would purely out of respect for bodily autonomy, think that they could do that. It should be possible, but uh, I would feel like it is tragic. It would be kind of like suicide. I don't think it's particularly tragic. It's not that much different from someone who lives in Manhattan and never leaves Manhattan. I would disagree. I, I mean, part of it would just be knowing that nothing really is real. I mean, ha, Enosh likes reality too. <laughs> I, I am a fan of reality. Well, I mean, one of the things you see in all sorts of movies that are like about living in a virtual world, like whether it be The Matrix or The 13th Floor or whatever, is that as soon as people find out that they're in a virtual world, they want to get out. They're like, I would like to be in the top level of reality, please, thank you. Well, it's because there's so much that... The, information they don't have access to they don't know like the whole thing is a lie right when they didn't know that they are in a simulation who knows who's controlling it who built it for what purpose you know that's actually a really good point in the matrix if because like how much the real world sucked if they had if they had the capacity to build a matrix themselves and say you know what let's build a simulation of earth 50 years ago where it didn't suck and we can all live there they probably they probably would have done that literally what they did dude no, that's Remember, what the, they they uh, they first tried to make a paradise, but no one would buy. No, it. that's what the that's what the that's what the robots did to the humans. Yeah, yeah. The hum, but what I'm saying is that the humans, robots aside, mm-hmm. could have decided this was good for themselves and did it to themselves on purpose. And they wouldn't have had to be lying to their whole society. And yeah, right. and they could have just like you know what we all know that our bodies are are rotting back in the shitty world, but we're going to be here where there's like food and you know shelter and stuff, and sunlight, and no killer robots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that. That would be one thing uh, if you're in there and you, I mean, yeah, if you're in there and you know it's not the real world, part of that might ruin your immersion, but I think taking that away would be a different level of, of, I I don't know how to tackle that problem, right? Uh, So like raising kids in the matrix, not telling them, by the way, this world's fake. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Oh, that would be interesting. And maybe like on your 18th birthday, parents (laughs) like, by the way, (laughs) That's just mean. <laughs> well, I mean, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell them when they're a baby. Why, why not? Because they wouldn't understand English. Yet. I mean, but <laughs> okay, but you could you could grow up with this, like learning as much as you're capable of learning. Mm. Uh, 
Okay, I see. Kind of like as a small child, I probably understood that like my hometown wasn't the entirety of the world. Yeah. Right. And like I knew other places existed. Right. And I, I'm sure like you could explain to a five-year-old in the Matrix in this fake one that, or they're all fake, whatever, um, <laughs> in this hypothetical one that wasn't based on, that's not the movie. Yeah. Um, that, you know, yes, yeah, so this is where we all live. The real world is a little different, but it's not as cool. That's why we all live here. Yeah. And then as they get older, you teach them more about it. So I guess we're all agreed that it would be cool to have virtual worlds that we can go to as long as we weren't confined to them. And we could pop back into the real reality. Uh, and I guess Especially if I could plug into it. Like, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that that would be fun. Like, again, playing Skyrim, except not playing and shooting fireballs with my own hands. That sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> but I also think that there may not be a whole lot important going on in the physical world that, that it's that, you know, like mainly the, hopefully this whole thing is being run by a benevolent AI and it's taking care of like making sure comets don't hit the mainframe. And See, that would make me really sad. I feel cool? like I'm in a Disneyland. Also, is there anything valuable happening in the simulation that's not happening in the real world? You said you said like you didn't feel like there was anything what important or valuable what was it like if if all the people left and went to the simulation, like the reason that would may, bother me is be because outside? okay sorry go ahead uh, no I I I just feel like any inform any learning for instance you want to learn about zoology you can download the information into your brain you don't have to like make sure there's a real bunny for you to go look at. But real bunnies are so much cuter than just like, like clicking a button and learning all about bunnies. <laughs> I say that having observed a bunny like two hours ago, and they're really cute. Um, <laughs> and and you can enjoy a simulated bunny just as much, if not more, as a, a bunny in the physical world that has a bit of a weak leg and maybe <laughs> no, I mean no, that, that, slightly hungry that day. No, you're you're making a good point that like the real world sucks. And yeah. that there wouldn't be sad bunnies in the simulation where there are yeah. sad bunnies now. Somewhere a bunny's getting ripped apart by a hawk. Yeah. And so I, I see what you're saying. Like, and what I, is it that you I, want to see in the the trees? Do you care about the trees? I, I think it? that's more of an argument for why uh, nature should be bulldozed, <laughs> and which we should maybe get into at some other point. But uh, And I disagree, by the way. Uh, but the thing that would really make me sad about all humanity retreating into servers like that and having the AIs like watch over them and make sure that comets weren't hitting it or anything yeah. would be that everything we would have, we would have checked out of reality. Everything of importance is now belongs to the AIs. They, they interact with matter and the base level universe and we don't anymore. So they are the only agents left. To, I think counter that a little bit. I see where I like, I, I, sympathize with where you're going but I feel like right now or like in that world it would be undesirable because everything belongs to the AIs right now it belongs to no one well right, right now we are the most agency things in the universe that we know about well that sounds like a, just an argument against building smarter agents it can be yeah I, but you're in favor of building smarter agents I am more just not or less one. but I I don't know if I am if they they usurp us completely right so that, Matt is a big fan of the culture series by Ian Banks and it it's some of the books in it are really good and uh it's been described by a lot of people as a utopia uh people cannot die unless they want to except for like some very fringe cases and uh the ais take care of the humans and make sure that we have everything we need we can live as long as we want uh we can do basically anything we want with our lives and uh i saw someone on reddit describe it as a uh hellish dystopia and i was like er 
please explain. And actually, it wasn't me that had to type that because someone had beat me to it. And uh, the person replied, because humans don't do anything meaningful in the universe anymore. The AIs are the only decision makers that matter in the universe. And the humans are just kind of fapping about and what they do with their lives doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now. I think that the, the things that matter the most are interpersonal interactions. And there's no reason for the AIs to come in and do those. those. The things that really matter will still be done by us, which is friendship. That raises two things. <laughs> One, that I do agree that, it, that an Earth without humans and just me would yeah. be boring. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be, it'd be better than nothing, but it wouldn't be uh, desirable. The other thing is that... Um, what if the AI was making some NPCs that were like more engaging in every way to your psychologically than, than other humans? Yeah. Oh God, that'd be that'd be a nightmare. Right. So that, that sounds like it would suck. I, I think that uh, the same general principle that tells the AI don't wirehead me would also tell them don't create fake people to interact with me because that is a, basically a form of wireheading. You know, in, yeah. in that. Uh, the interaction doesn't mean doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but you think it does. No, I'm kidding. But yeah. Going off the um, argument that you cannot create a pea zombie, that anything that looks like a pea zombie is actually conscious, mm, that would be impossible to do, the, right? The actual argument, though, the actual definition of a pea zombie is that it it is molecularly or yeah. on an atomic level identical yeah. to me. But but the counter argument is that is literally impossible unless you believe in souls. That, that anything molecularly identical to you will right. have self awareness. That, that is in, in fact uh, impossible. But creating an NPC doesn't have to be on the atomic level identical to me. And maybe that is possible, even though the P zombies are impossible. Uh, a non sentient, yeah. believable zombie, perhaps maybe. I don't know. It. I think it would. If it was lit- If it was really non sentient, that at some level it would fail and you would be able to tell that this isn't really an interesting person that any anything interesting enough to be indistinguishable to a human would have uh, a level of consciousness and qualia that approximates a human and they would be a person i think even if that was true we could just say all right cool so the npcs are are conscious but then it would still be a drag to have the quote fake people the generated ones you're you're not fellow uh quote, humans or post-humans or whatever, to have one of these these generated people be more engaging than your loved ones, right? Not when you can modify yourself to gradually over time <laughs> to be also very engaging. Yeah, I guess like... It just I already have like, a lot of history with my loved ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even if you're more boring than this person, I still love you a lot. Yeah. Let's get more interesting together. Yeah. All right. I guess I'm... I, and I'm, I'm sort. I haven't had this conversation before, so I'm sort of just thinking of this on the fly. So this is what it's like. Well, I mean, I haven't me too. Yeah. My, my position. But it's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess if, if it seems like I'm, I'm scrambling because that's sort no. of what I'm doing. No, I, um, I appreciate all the things you're coming up with. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Like, if it was really that more compelling to hang out with these these NPCs than it was with your friends, then I, I feel like something might be lost there in the sense that, like, but they're still conscious persons. Yeah. It, it's that, that not that you, much different from genetically uh, engineering a baby that's going to be super charismatic. It, it seems like you have a problem with I, someone who wasn't born into a meat suit. Like if they were born in silicon, fully not, formed, then they're not real people. Not necessarily. I guess I'm thinking of ones that were developed like specifically, uh, you know, with with uh, like by the AI to be super compelling to you personally or something. Oh, like it so, makes you your own perfect mate kind of thing? Right. Uh, now I am also 
on the fence about this one, but leaning negative yeah. towards like tailoring new minds for the sake of existing minds. Yeah, it seems kind of wireheadish as well. Like a large part of the fun of knowing other people is that there are things that are different and you can explore new things and be challenged and... I guess I just don't really like people's purpose in life to be so focused on a particular other person. Ooh, like, yes. I think this can happen actually in reality already, but I don't like it. No. <laughs> Agreed. I think that it would just be easier to do in, in a simulation, which isn't a general argument against simulations. It's just like one of the things that I'm wary about. My main thing, though, and I still don't know if I feel better about is like losing touch with like physical reality and granted i'm not experiencing physical reality directly right now yeah i'm experiencing it as possible as directly basically well so far as possible there might be cooler ways to get in touch with it speaking of cooler ways to get in touch with it brief digression our last episode was about uh recreational drug use Mm -hmm. and and i was so compelled by some of the points made that i took lsd the next day Mm -hmm. and it it was a different way of interacting with reality uh i don't know if it was actually interacting with reality per se, because the ground doesn't usually move like that. Right. But um, that was interesting. Uh, was it your in- mileage may vary, use caution, yeah. et cetera. But, um, Would you recommend the experience? If they had the experience that I had. Okay. I can't guarantee that you'd have that experience. I actually so, still haven't even tried the modafinil that I got, because I'm like, mm, I don't know, I'm feeling okay today. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll get around to it. I mean, it'll make you feel better than okay. I would try it sometime just on a... You know, whatever I should day. try it at some point, I yeah. guess. Especially if you have anything like do to do that day. If you're like, okay, I got to crack this out today. Like, yeah. all right, fuck it. Give it a shot. I mean, it's, it is not a reality-altering drug. The thing is, I don't have a lot of t- hard... I don't have difficulty concentrating on things I want to do anyway. On oh. Monday, I spent, I think, 13 hours just working on this little project that I'm really into right now. God, I envy you. I can't even <laughs> do things I like doing for that long. And I was like, oh, God, I got to go get food. All right, fine. And, yeah. And no, if I get really into something, I don't... It's just... It, takes my attention me as like my goals as a as like a transhuman like alteration is closer to you as a person (laughs) (laughs) i can't even find the motivation to do stuff i like i like doing well the motivation to start it is hard i I didn't even get started until like noon because i was just like i could be doing other things i could be on facebook i don't want to do this but like once i dove in it was 1 a.m and i was like man i should get to bed (laughs) i I need a stick or a carrot but usually the carrot is like you know lack of a stick so I need, I need some motivation to do okay. stuff, but like some external motivation. I can't just like drive myself to do things, but yeah. maybe I haven't found something that I like doing that much. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some things you like doing. I'm sure. Yeah. No one's ever had to force you to drink alcohol or have <laughs> sex, right? <laughs> Fair point. Oh. I consider responding with a joke, but none of those would have been tasteful. So, okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, but I guess what I'm getting at is like, I, I wanted to sort of just dial this back from like, you know, uh, wild discussions of like the, the like idiosyncrasies of like simulated worlds back to like the basic transhuman thesis is that like, it's less about like, you know, how you'll interact with simulated people and simulated worlds and more about like, how can your life be a little better in ways that you can even currently imagine, right? Like my eyesight could be better, even though I wear glasses, my, my, uh, sense of touch could be more acute and I could be, you know, have finer motor control and be, uh, better at whatever mechanical stuff. Um, like all these things and, you know, not to even extent that is superhuman, although there's no reason to stop at, at regular human. But I mean, you can look at other people who can do things that you're like, you know what, that'd be kind of cool if I was, you know, as physically fit as that person or something, um, or whatever it is. So I think that that's, that's really the takeaway, like that it's more just about just being okay with 
like a general growth mindset of like you can be a better person and there's no reason to stop where you're at. Yeah. And then of course, like the next step, I think that might, that might just be humanism. And then the, 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 the transhumanism part is like, there's no reason to stop at like, well, let's not stop at peak current human. Right. Yeah. You can do better than that. Yeah. But I, uh, getting back to your culture example, mm-hmm. well, I'm not super familiar. I haven't read that many of the books, but the your argument about how you, you don't want the AI to take over a lot of the like survival tasks for humans or the the advancement in power over the world. It's, it's not just the survival part. It's the the fact that anything of importance is done by the AI now, aside from friendship with other humans. I guess. I mean, to me, that's the number one thing that makes anything important. I am sort of curious what the other important things are. Like figuring things out. Like to me, like yeah. scientific progress is important. Well, it and did. I would hate to have that all taken away because it's fun for us. Like yeah. that. I mean, so as long as we're not taking away fun and like interpersonal friendships, it includes scientific progress, but it includes anything humans can do. AIs can do it better. You want to write a song? I can write a better song. I but mean, sure, it, humor yourself as a human to writing your human songs. But uh, there's there's there are other races in the uh, galaxy or galactic cluster. Maybe I don't know uh, that that are interacted with, and generally the AIs handle that. Every now and then humans like get special assignments and stuff, but it's always like the AI say, okay, here's an assignment that a human can handle. We will humor them and let them do their thing. But when the shit is really serious, uh, AI step in and like, nope, we're fixing this now. Go about your way, human, because this is not playtime anymore. Part of me, all right, having not read this either, caveat. Right, but, and I've actually not read very many in it, but uh, the few that I've read, that is the distinct impression. So I think... As long, all right. So your first thing about, uh, you know, the AIs will—they can do science better than we can. They'll just—they're just like letting us do it because it's fun for us. That's sort of like completely fine with me. Yeah. Like that's exactly what you're doing with a kid, you know, who wants to see. You know, they haven't heard of Galileo, but they want to see which one falls faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just grab their arm and stop them from doing the experiment and just tell them the result and tell you know show them the math and say whatever or you can let them do it and have fun yeah. Like, yeah. even if they're not like doing it in a refined way they're still having fun they're still learning things I find that completely fine to you know just because like so I guess I'm gonna get that's our current state now with adults and children and yeah. like me and real scientists um, <laughs> but I but wouldn't want like, to be trapped into childhoodness forever no me either but I mean well if it if the cost of, or I guess of the benefit of that was, like you said, when things got serious, the AI was like, no, I'm doing this. I'm kind of super fine with the AI having like a safety net over the universe or our universe Mm -hmm. than, you know, me doing it or, you know, my peers doing it because we don't know what we're doing. Right. Well, I mean, but that's, that's literally the infantilization of the human race. We can have fun and do our things, but when anything important happens, the parents step in. We're sort of infantile though. Well, (laughs) I think that you may be able to make a choice, uh, in the scenario to say, well, if I really want to be part of the super intelligent jobs that are out there to do. And then you basically have to become part of the AI, right? Right. You have to, to you modify yourself anymore. to such a degree. Right? And, and there's, that's inherent in the task. Like if you want to do it the best, you have to be the best. So you can't be what you are. Yeah. That, that's not something you can get away from. That well, is one of my kind of minor hangups about creating AI, that we might make ourselves irrelevant. Well, but, I mean, it, it, it's inherent in any, any power to be that great, right? Right. I <laughs> mean, it's, it, it's, it's kind of the reason behind if there was a god, we would have to kill him, right? Because you don't want that sort of adult 
making all your decisions for you. I was actually just going to bring up that point, but take the other side with it. A, I wouldn't say all the decisions. That's a false dichotomy. It could just be the really important ones that we that it believes we would make the wrong decisions on, right? Right, all the decisions that matter. Well, not even. I mean, like, how I treat the people I love matters. All the ones that could and, end and, in disaster. Yeah, exactly. All the ones that, like, literally will end the world. Mm-hmm. So, like, it'd be really cool if, you know, all right, there's an asteroid coming, and we can, as a, as humanity, scramble and see if we can take care of it and solve it, but if we can't, we're all dead. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, God could just step in and move it, but and then, so it doesn't collide with Earth. But then it doesn't matter. Why not just not even bother trying to stop it, because, you know, God will take care of it. Well, All your I efforts mean, are just an exercise in play. All, it all literally efforts, doesn't matter if you do anything or not. All your efforts to save the world. Like, I would rather, ha- I would rather have that choice taken out of our hands than have the overwhelming likelihood be that we would fail to do it. I'm not sure I would. I mean... I, 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 I guess because I think for me, like my terminal bad value is the end yeah. of the human species or right. the, end, the end of the end of sentient life in the I, universe, right? I, I think it's actually quite immoral to say I want there to be the chance of horrible things happening because I need to be a hero. Yeah, dude, what the hell? <laughs> well, I got my white savior thing going on again. My bad. I actually uh, in the I think it was in the fun theory sequence that uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky wrote this part part of an article this sentence like he talked about how he is a hero he really wants to be important but he also says you know should we then have a put a a a baby at risk and the mother at risk of the 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 baby dying or whatever it was i forgot the scenario involved a mother i think should we should we have people put at risk so that we can save them no no we should not and i feel that yeah, she probably are really I'm on the wrong side here. Really, <laughs> going to get a lot of angry listener yeah. feedback this this episode. <laughs> you're really attracted to, to the hero scenario to the point where you're tempted to put people in danger so you could save them. I am not going to admit to that on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't necessarily take your position as like I want to be the hero, not even you personally, but just like the idea that like, Humans should be saving themselves. From yeah, disaster. or that that there that there's no safety net makes us the ultimate arbiters of our well being. That is, I can see the appeal. I think there's a loss on some of, level. I think there's a loss of dignity. Yeah, I mean, there's also loss of loss of dignity in everybody dying, right? Right. I mean, yeah. So, I guess then it so, comes down to what's what's more important: the loss of dignity or everyone dying. That's sort I, of. I think maybe this is my my version <laughs> of your um of of your bodily autonomy thing. Yeah. That some things are more important than good consequences. We yeah. were we were talking earlier about technological, yeah, not non consequentialism, and, and yeah, yeah. some categorical categorical imperatives that are important for their own sake, even if they have bad consequences. Shit, I understand <laughs> you now. This <laughs> this is awesome this is and awful. awful. <laughs> <laughs> I hate understanding other humans. So I'm gonna take this even to a more controversial level. Yes. And hopefully we'll get lots of hate mail and then you'll be like, sorry, Shelly's never come back on the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> now I'm really excited. <laughs> so Not because you'll never be back because I'm really excited to see what you can oh. say that could possibly be that inflammatory. <laughs> okay. So it's along the lines of don't make people need you so that you can be the hero and, and be needed by them. And so you can swoop in. Right. Yeah. It seems like a bad thing. So uh, um, don't make children because this, the definition of a child is someone who needs to be parented. Yes. I was going to say like, you know, the whole teach a man to fish thing. And then it makes me think of that Ron Swanson quote, like, you know, t- t- uh, give a man a fish and he'll feed him for a day, teach a man to fish and he'll feed himself. Fishing is not that hard. He's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so yeah. Okay. So you're bringing this to, so 
imagine that you can create new people in the matrix, the uploaded world. Are you going to create them with uh, adult minds? Or are you going to create them with as people who need to go through a childhood and become adult? Not all of childhood was terrible for me. Um, I mean, but the parts that make it... In, uh, Definitionally, yeah, child E, right? Um, the parts that make it a childhood and not just there, existence. There was, there was a fantastic novel called uh, Golden, God, The Golden Age, I think, by uh, John C. Wright, who later went crazy. But at the time, he wasn't, he was crazy at the time too, but he was crazy in a different way. <laughs> Anyways, in this novel, uh, they, they live basically in a sort of uploaded state and they can interact with reality too, but they can create their own worlds and there is a character who creates her own world where everyone is a child who is psychologically dependent on her and will never grow up and it's just, it's kind of horrific it's it's yeah. like the children that lock their or the belts that lock their children in the basement right like yeah. psychologically retarding millions of people because she likes being this mother character and it, it's considered a huge crime they kick her out of society and everything and but that yeah. reminds me of what you're saying. I'm not okay that with that forever. I'm not okay with that for 18 years. I'm probably not okay with that for a month. Not okay for, for a month. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, if there are certain processes that have to be gone through um, in real time in order to actually form a, a mind, then go ahead and, and have those lived through. But otherwise, let's pop you up to adulthood that's sort of what I was going to say, that as long as, as long as it's currently necessary, then I'm totally on board with it. Kind of like if I needed surgery to save my life, but it was yeah. going to make me bedridden for a month, yeah. I, would, I would be totally fine being dependent on somebody. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I wouldn't want them to hurt me, so I had to stay in bed for a month yeah. so they could take care of me. That sounds like a different thing. But <laughs> I, do, I do see what you're saying. Like, there, There's no particular reason it has to take 18 years to get to be an adult. Yeah. So why draw that out for 18 years no yeah and at that point how long is it immoral to force people to be and children let's maybe uh apply this to the current reality where of course you don't have the choice to create people as adults in this reality mm-hmm. but there could also be some argument that maybe we you in particular um i don't know if you're a good example in because you're not sure if you want to have kids mm-hmm. but um just just pick a certain person, right? Like, is there, do you in particular really need to create a, a new human in addition to the, all, all the other ones that are being created right now? Yeah, but I mean, you can make that argument for literally every person on the planet. Right. I get the feeling she's going to. So, but, <laughs> um, where I'm going with this, though, is like uh, th- what the person really wants in most cases, I suspect, is not that they want to add another person to the population they want specifically a child am i wrong um i want to do one thing first i wanted to say that as far as in the simulated world i do see no point in raising people through and through painful infancy and all that nonsense mm-hmm. that i mean if you could spring somebody then again all right i just want to touch on that i don't want to belabor that point but it just occurred to me i was going to say if you could spring them in fully sentient adults but then where would all their background come from like their sentience all their their memory their history a lot of stuff that makes you a sentient person is like having familiarity with having had thoughts before. 
So like that's a book called Diaspora by Greg Egon. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have read like absolutely everything. I, you've, you've got a book for every point. That's awesome. Uh, no, uh, I no, that's that's great though. Um, I mean, but how much of that do you need in order to? Yes, yeah, so yeah, maybe it was a maybe short the, process. Yes, yeah, so maybe the minimum, and yeah. you could you could load them with like a basic template or something yeah. that you know whatever, and maybe you could have some guidelines as how far to how how to tweak it if you wanted it to be like your new friend or your new uh, your offspring in some way or something. Um, you, all right. So that said, in the the uh, the current world of people wanting to have kids for the sake of having kids, like because they want to be parents, they want to have children. Yeah, I, f- I feel like they don't necessarily want to just have another person in the world, and maybe they want like after the kid grows up, the kid will take care of me or something. I don't like that idea either. I, no, I totally agree that they aren't doing it for altruistic reasons to perpetuate the human race. They're doing it for selfish reasons. But, but I think one of the someone's got to have kids. Well, and I mean that's as good a reason as any other. Well. But in, if if you were going for the best reasons, then the pattern of who has kids and who raises them and all that would be very different. Yes. Um, but um, just just from like maybe a psychological perspective, I do suspect that I want to have a close, intimate, loving relationship with someone who is weaker than me mm. is a big draw. Perhaps the primary draw for a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I think you're for also... Me, Saying that that would also apply to pet owners, though. Yeah, that is incredibly, yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. One, defending pet ownership. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that another reason to be a pet owner is to, uh, like, I wouldn't ask someone to go make me a new animal so that I can take care of it. I'll say, well, this one's alive. Okay. And it's 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 currently living in a cage. It can live in a bigger cage Although called my house. Although a lot of house. people do breed pets for, for the sake of being pets, right? Yeah, <laughs> and that's interesting. I don't know... I'll table that for a second and touch on the parenting thing. So I don't know. I don't know if that's an. Ex- I doubt that's an expressed uh, preference of, of many parents. But I don't even know if that's a background preference. I think a lot of it. Part of it is like we as humans. Many of us either are like have many of us want to have kids because we're programmed to. And to the extent that many of us, we're all mo- many of us, almost all of us are programmed to want to have kids, but many of us choose not to because we've made the decision to overcome that programming. Mm. Um, I, I think that well, I guess okay. If a lot of people just don't think about it and just do it, so it would be stretching it to say that that's their reason. They they just had kids because that's what you, that's what you do, and that's probably most people. I think that's right? how I came to exist. Yeah. Um, that my my parents weren't like you know. Well, let's see. We've got a plan for retirement. Well, if we have kids, they can they can subsidize our our <laughs> our life in our last you know decades. I don't think that there was ever a conversation like that. I don't think there's ever a conversation of like it'd be really cool to have this infant human dependent on me. I don't think there's ever. I think it was just like this is what adults right. do. But well, that's not a good reason. Do think about it. Yeah. Uh, I think a large portion of people have a strong, perhaps hormonal desire, attraction, you could call it baby hunger, or maybe for some people it's toddler hunger, right? I love that you use the term hunger. Yeah. It makes it seem particularly gross. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it is a particular, like, desire for closeness with this particular ca- category of human, which I think a lot of people have. And I think it's because, like, the essence of the, the child childlikeness, which attracts them, are the things that make children... You know, in need of being rescued by a, a, a hero, yeah. which we would call, you know, a parent. Part of that <laughs> might come from our, like, we might find the idea of rearing that appealing because it's part of being a parent and we're biologically programmed to want to be parents. But um, 
A, I can't remember, Katrina was on the fence about wanting to have kids, and she was leaning towards definitely wanting to have one. And I can't remember if she expressed an opinion on whether or not she loved the idea of rearing a child. Although I get the feeling that she definitely said that I think she thought she'd enjoy being a parent, but I would love to get her take on that particular point. Well, I did try and uh, question her about this. We didn't really get to, get too much into it. We had I had to leave. But what she said and what I've heard a lot of other people say um, is that they have an intuition about the quality of the emotions and the love that would be there with specifically a child, mm-hmm. right? And I only have heard that sort of thing. About and I only named names because bonds. she's the only like rational person that I know who wants to have kids. Right. <laughs> so I was trying to think of what would a, what would a rational Stephen who wanted to have kids think? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll have to ask Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, part of it is like, I think you'd find it extremely rewarding because you're, you're, you'd be rewired and you'd love, you know, having a baby or something. But that's actually interesting. I don't know. I, I have heard it is a, like, like you said, a very unique, just based biologically uh, rewiring sort of love thing. I guess I, I try to get people to imagine scenario where their child was enhanced to the point where it really didn't qualify as a child anymore. It didn't need parenting. And like, would they still have that emotional tug towards that situation I don't with those enhancements? If, if like, if they went up to adulthood in the course of one month, I really doubt it. I think a large part of it is the uh, sacrifice of putting so much of your life into this other child. It's kind of like people bond going through horrific things uh, in boot camp. A lot of it is about just putting people through horrible shit so they bond with other people. A lot of it is just investing the time and the energy and all this sacrifice, and that's what creates the emotional bond. And if someone just grew up in the course of one month, you don't sacrifice all that much. You don't have all this time to build the emotional bond. I think that that's probably true. I don't know, Shelley, just to make sure I understand, I don't want to misphrase you. You're, you're, claiming, you're, you're putting forward the idea that you think that might be subconsciously a majority motivating factor for parents. For those who think about it or, and and yeah, have emotional reason for doing it as opposed to, like, I'll do it because I'm told to or I'll do it because I never thought about it. I That might be true. I'd like to get some... I'll have to think about that and we'll have to ask some smart parents. And you're but saying that's a very bad reason to have kids. I think that's a weird reason to have kids for sure. I, I think it's a cringy reason. <laughs> I wanted to put forward another reason I think a lot of people have kids after self-reflection is that I can make a better version of me. Yeah. And that's not so much that, like, I want the idea of, like, having it be dependent on me, but, like... If I could redo my own childhood and give myself all these awesome benefits, well, since I can't do that, I can do the next best thing and raise a kid and give myself, give my offspring all the benefits I would have given myself. If I were to have kids, one of the kids I would want to have would be a straight up clone of me just to be like, let's see if I can do a better job than my parents. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? I think it'd be an interesting challenge. I think that's part of the point, though, because you want to make something better than yourself. And the only thing you have to go on is like, well, I know I had this and so I can do the parts that I liked and not the parts that I didn't like and add some stuff that I think I would have liked. Yeah. Right? Uh, Maybe. Phil's I don't know. cringing all over the place yeah, right now. Really but I'm not sure why. I'm kind of cringing at this. Uh, well, again, it's the a mind being tailored for the, the purposes of another mind, right? Like, well, yeah. in the event that we were just to generate them fully sentient and then emerged, yeah. we'd be, unless, we're, unless you're saying we'd have to do it only with a shuffle button... Like well, we'd be doing could, that anyway. You could like tailor them to, a, to fit into the society rather than to be like the ideal friend or partner or son or daughter of a particular person. So a constrained shuffle button would be the only ethical way to do that. 
I'm not. I'm not meaning that to be funny. No, I'm, I'm, I just I'm mean like there wouldn't have to be an e-shuffle button, but it could just be less narrow in the targeting. I mean, what if so? I guess that how how narrowly do you want to define like society though? Like, what if you wanted it to be a great scientist or something, uh, or to be a great musician or whatever? Like, is that too narrow? Oh, or? I, I guess I was just imagining like an AI is taking care of. Uh, one trillion people and it was like okay we're going to create one more person to add to this one trillion and what would be that the optimal addition based on everything in the whole entire society oh, so the AI, be, would, the AI would be building another optimal person that would be kind of cool yeah. right or would you yeah. have a problem with that I mean that's maybe my least bad scenario of creating a person okay. yeah <laughs> That's the one I would Is there any good scenario for creating a person in your opinion? That's like the, the scenario that I would consider as being maybe okay. Is there any good scenario? Like, because you said it's your least bad, and to me that sounds like the optimum way yeah, you could possibly create someone. Yeah. So you're just, you're just in, in general against creating people. I, I tend to be on, I lean towards that side. I'm not going to be like hardcore about it, but. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to keep talking about yeah. this. Can we do this some other time, though? Because it is, we're almost at two hours, and I was supposed to meet someone 15 minutes ago. Oops. <laughs> yeah. That went by fast. Yeah, it did. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. Well, we got to do the, the signing off and all that stuff. Oh, oh, yes. Um, I don't know. Okay. I'm Anyways, um, thanks for joining us. I'm Eniash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Shelly. Bye. And really quick, oh. thank you to our Patreon supporters. Oh, God, yes. Thank yeah. you to uh, anyone who writes reviews on iTunes and to our sound engineer, Kyle. Kyle's fantastic. Cool. That's it. See you in two weeks. Bye.